about Royals' history, there would be a different tone to it. Blood, heathen orgies, midnight attacks, decapitations, routine torture, Spanish queens trembling with rage because of what had issued from this old port. The victors write the calmest prose, especially when they are English. Just past the overgrown lot is a church, and walking toward it is a group of men and women dressed in seventeenth-century outfits. They can't be, but they are. Pirates, or at least people dressed like pirates. As they get closer, you can pick up their accents and realize they are Americans. It turns out they are members of a pirate club, secretaries and office managers dressed in fantastically authentic period gear, the men in boots and doublets, a pewter drinking mug latched to a leather belt, the women with their breasts cresting out of their blouses. They've flown here on a pilgrimage to the home of Henry Morgan, the greatest of the buccaneers. We go together into St. Paul's Cathedral. Inside are several pieces of loot, a chalice, plate, and other silver items, carried from the great raid on Panama by Morgan and donated to the church. One of the club members speaks up, a shy, red-headed young man from Chicago, his face flushed with an urgent emotion. "'Can I ask you a huge favor?' he asks the tour guide. "'Can I just sit next to them?' He does, and his eyes look on them as a Christian would look at a splinter of the true cross." Farther down the road is Fort Charles, named after the king who used the buccaneers as a stick with which to beat the Spanish. In the glass cases are items recovered from the old city, a stoneware jug from the German Rhineland, a Delftware cup, iron ankle shackles that would have once hobbled an African slave, brought here to serve on the vast sugar plantations, their dull circles seeming impossibly small. And here, in its leather scabbard, is one of the prizes of the collection. What the museum claims is Henry Morgan's comb. Into the leather has been carved a pineapple tree, and the date, 1677. Morgan would have been well into his second act by then. The marauder turned knight of the empire, hunting down his former mates and hanging them out on Gallows Point, not far from here. School kids on a field trip stared dully at the comb. It doesn't seem very piratical, and then go tearing out the door. The museum is a shrine for members of the pirate club. The brethren left so few physical remnants behind that they could almost be ghosts, and these are things they touched and used. But the artifacts, the maps on the walls, the words on the plaque, none of it can really capture the awful and wonderful things that happened here. Port Royal lived a short, fast life. It was like Rick's Café in Casablanca. Sooner or later, everyone came to the city. On its streets, slave traders, spies, and English dukes brushed shoulders with plantation owners and common whores, like the famous No-Conscience Nan, but people such as these can be found in the histories of San Juan or Barbados, 
What makes Port Royal special is one group of people, the pirates. These were men who were intent on leading the freest lives imaginable, and who thereby altered the fate of the New World through bloodshed and war, until, after having brought the Spanish main to its knees, they became disposable and were hunted down not far from here. The streets beneath one's feet became the crossroads of two empires, one being born, the other faltering, because of Henry Morgan and his men. The city feels like a place from which time departed centuries ago, if it even touched down at all. You get the feeling that it hurried across the bay to Kingston, or skipped across the famous Blue Waters north to Miami. Even the colorful poster strung next to the fort entrance that proclaims earthquake.